So 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 1, And the word of God says, And Elisha the prophet called one of the children of the prophets and said unto him, Gird up thy loins and take this box of oil in thine hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. And when thou comest thither, look out there Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and go in and make him arise up from among his brethren and carry him into an inner chamber. Then take the box of oil and pour it on his head and say, Thus saith the Lord, I have anointed thee king over Israel. Then open the door and flee and tarry not. So Elisha has one of his men. He says, hey, God's told me to tell you, you go get, take this box of ointment. You take Jehu, you pull him to the side, you anoint him and make him king. Verse 4, so the young man, even the young man, the prophet, even went to Ramoth Gilead. And when he came, behold, the captains of the host were sitting. And he said, I have an errand to thee, O captain. And Jehu said, uh, unto which of all of us? And he said to thee, O captain, so Jehu's sitting there, and here comes Elisha's servant. He comes in, and he says, hey, Jehu, I need to talk to you. Go, I need to talk to you guys. Which one you talk to? I need to talk to you, Jehu. Verse 6, and he arose and went into the house, Jehu did, and he poured the oil on his head and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed thee king over the people of the Lord, even over Israel. That's the Lord. He says, I'm making you king, Jehu, and thou shalt smite the house of Ahab, thy master, that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. Uh-oh. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall, and him that is shut up and left in Israel. You're already starting to see, this is going to be a PG-13 message right here. With that verse right there, it's going to be a PG-13 message. Verse 9, And I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah. And verse 10, And the dogs shall eat Jezebel in the portion of Jezreel, and there shall be none to bury her. And he opened the door and fled. <laughs> Can you imagine that? The guy's sitting there and he's eating with some of the other captains of the army of Israel, and the guy... Uh, the prophet comes in and says, hey, I need to talk to you. Come bring, bring some up. Yeah, what do you need? Say? Well, come over here. And he pours all over and he says, the Lord says, you're the king. Now go kill all of Ahab's family. See ya. Boom, he just takes off. That's what it says there. Get out of there. Don't let the door hit you in the rear end when you're leaving. That's what Elisha said. Verse 11, then Jehu came forth to the servants of his Lord. And one said unto him, is all well? Wherefore came this mad fellow to thee? And he said unto them, Ye know the man in his communication. They said, It is false. Tell us now. They said, We don't know what's going on. What, what did he say to you? And he said, Thus and thus spake he to me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I have anointed thee king over Israel. Then they hasted and took every man his garment and put it under him on the top of the stairs and blew with trumpets, saying, Jehu is king. This message right here is something maybe we forgot about. But God didn't forget about it. Now, weeks and weeks and weeks ago, I preached on Jezebel, and I preached on Ahab, and I showed where God said, because Je Jezebel had killed Naboth, had took away his vineyard, had killed Naboth, and the, and the blood of, that, of, the, of, of, of Naboth was there by the well, and God says, Jezebel, I'm, the dogs are going to get you, and the dogs are going to eat you. Now, that was, according to the timeline of the Word of God, that was give or take about 15 years later. For us, it's been some weeks. Fifteen years later, and all of a sudden, God shows up and says, Jehu, I got something I want you to do for me, and you're going to be my king. This message we're going to study this morning is we're going to see God's payday. Amen. There's a payday someday. 
And it's time now, as you're going to see, and we're going to read this together, study this together, as we go through the rest of this chapter in chapter 10, that it's time to pay the fiddler. See, maybe Jezebel had looked and said, you know what, uh, that was a year ago, that was five years ago, that was ten years ago, maybe God's forgotten about it. It's probably not going to happen. Maybe there's just something that God had, had popped off and maybe I got away with it. Not in God's eyes. In God's timeline, he is preparing this. And when you're going to see when God gets ready to bring down his wrath on the house of Ahab, it's going to be something like you've never read in the Word of God. Amen. And if you've never read this story we're going to read to this, it's going to open your eyes to how God's wrath pours out on mankind. It's going to open your eyes. But what's going to make you realize, if you're in here this morning, or you're listening to me somehow, some way, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the, the judgment of God is on you, the wrath of God is on you, and one day you will feel God's wrath. Amen. And I'm here to tell you this morning, and I, I'm not, that's some bad news. But it wasn't like that on me too, until one day I took Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and now that wrath of God is off of me. Now the love of God is on me. So I'm here to tell you some good news, which is you can get out of that wrath. You don't have to pay the fiddler. You don't have to pay. There's going to come a day you don't have to pay. But if you don't pay and let somebody else pay your way, you're going to pay. Somebody's got to pay. And there's a payday someday. And now let's come back to the house of Ahab and more, than, more specifically to that old wicked woman, Jezebel. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you know, I'm just a, a sinful man, Lord God, Father. I, I try to live the right kind of life in Jesus Christ, Lord God, but you know I'm a nobody, Father, and I pray, Father, that it'll be your words that are preached and not mine, Lord God. As we read through your words, Father, I pray, Father, that you would hide me behind the cross, Lord God, that if I say something that's displeasing you, it'd fall on deaf ears, Lord God, and if I do something, it'd be on blind eyes, Lord. But, Father, I know the truth of your judgment. Lord, I can see it so evident all through your scripture, Lord God, from Genesis to Revelation, Lord God. You're a, ju you're a God of judgment, Lord. You don't let people get away with it, Lord, and that someday they will pay, Lord. And Father, I pray you make that real to us today, Lord. And Father, help us to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, Father. But I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit will move among us, convicting, uh, helping us, Lord God, comforting us, Lord. But above all else, Lord, I want to thank you for your words, Lord, that we can read them and study them together. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. Look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. Let's move right along. Got a lot to read. So Jehu rode in a chariot and went to Jezreel, for Joram lay there. And Ahazi, king of Judah, was come down to see Joram. And there stood a watchman on the tower in Jezreel, and he spied the company of Jehu. Now Jehu's the king that God has anointed to destroy Ahab. And the company of Jehu, as he came, and said, I see a company. And Joram said, Take a horseman and send to meet them, and let him, let him say, Is it peace? So there went one on horseback to meet him and said, Thus saith the king, Is it peace? And Jehu said, What hast thou to do with peace? Turn thee behind me. And the watchman told, saying, The messenger came to them, but he cometh not again. So they see Jehu coming. and they, So they send out a messenger to say, Is it peace? And that messenger comes. And what's Jehu say? What do you have to do with peace? Get behind me. So that watchman says, Okay, <laughs> I'll just get right behind you. And so they're looking. They're like, Well, no, he hadn't came back. Verse 19, then he sent out a second on horseback, which came to them and said, Thus saith the king, Is it peace? And Jehu answered, What hast thou to do with peace? Turn thee behind me. 
Same thing happens the second time. And the watchman told, saying, He came even unto them, and cometh not again. And the driving is like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshi, for he driveth furiously. Woo-wee! This is like a good western. dun 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 like some of us who say, I don't know what car that is, but I know that Joker's driving it, you know, because it's doing about 90 down through there. He's driving furiously. He's whipping the horse both sides. Here comes the cavalry. Uh-oh, here we go. Verse 21, and Jerome said, make ready. And his chariot was made ready. And Jerome, king of Israel, and Haziah, king of Judah, went out, each in his chariot. And they went out against Jehu and met him in the portion of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Ooh, there's Naboth's name again. Remember Naboth, the one that started this whole mess about 15 years ago. This is what started it all when they killed Naboth. And it says that's where they're meeting at. Verse 22, and it came to pass when Joram saw Jehu that he said, Is it peace, Jehu? And he answered, What peace? So long as, so long as the whoredoms of thy mother Jezebel and her witchcrafts are so many. <laughs> is it peace? Do we have peace? What about, is it peace like your mama? That's what he says. Peace like your mama. Peace like your mama. Here's what I know about people. When it's time to pay up, some people are going to cry, peace, peace. Amen. And the Bible says there'll be no peace. Amen. There'll be no peace. When I was growing up, we didn't cry, peace, peace. You know what we cried? We cried, uncle, uncle. Y'all didn't have any cousins or uncles or anybody that take your arm and twist it behind there until you cried, uncle, uncle. That's what these people are doing. They're like, peace, peace. That's the same equivalent of saying, uncle, uncle, I give up, I give up. But if you know anything about this story, you know anything about this people, just like a lot of people in the world, when everything's going their way, when they're winning the battle, they don't want no peace. When everything's going their way, when they're in control, when they're, when they're winning the battle, oh, they don't want to talk about peace. But as soon as it turns on them, they're like, oh, peace, peace, peace. It's like the man that got drugged up, got high on cocaine, ran from the cops, gets out, starts fighting the cops, the cops beat him down, and then he gets up there and he starts crying with crocodile tears. Can't we all get along? Can't we just all get along? <laughs> That's how the world acts. Well, can't we just stop doing dope and running from the cops? Why don't we talk about that first? Peace, peace, peace. The greatest example of this in world history is a six-day war that happened to Israel. Study that. If you study the Six-Day War, you're going to think less of America. You're going to know what really, America really feels about, like the, about the Jew. All the, this map up here will show you all the Arabian nations. They were going to come down against that tiny nation of Israel. They had just been formed since 1945. 1967, they decide they're going to go in and they're going to wipe out the Jew. And they had, they had the, the vast majority of those Arabs they had, and those Muslims. They had the great advantage. They had all the military power. They had all the military tanks, the airplanes. They had all the men. And they were going to come down. And it was, a, it, was a, it was no doubt they were going to wipe them off. And here they come. They all come down in there. But they forgot about one person. <laughs> they always do this. They always forget about that one person. What person is that, Pastor? That person's name is God. And God said, that's my people. And that's not going to happen. And before they could even get started, they got wind of it. Israel got wind of it. And the Jew being the Jew, they said, let's go straight in. They had a couple of air, uh, jet airplanes. They came in and they flew down over Egypt and they just wiped out. They wiped out all their, their airplanes they were going to use. Amen. 
Here comes, here comes the Arabs anyway, and they're going to come on in there, and they come in there to destroy. And guess what's happening? It's a miracle. The Jews started fighting them back. Amen. And all the world saw what was going on. The United Nations, the Peace Corps, all of them saw what was going on, and they backed off. They were going to see what was going to happen. They wanted to see Israel wiped off. This little problem called Israel, we we're going to get done with this problem. We'll be done with this, 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 this thorn in the flesh, this burdensome stone the Bible calls Israel. We're going to be done with them. Let, let the Arabians, let, the, let Muslims just kill them. Let them wipe them off. But God had different plans. And for six days, Israel fought. And with the power of God, they fought back. And miracle after miracle after miracle started happening. We're, we're, uh, they were up on the Golan Heights, and the Muslims looked down. And all they had to do was go down there, and they would have wiped them out. And that journal says, uh, there's something going on. That I don't like it. And this man said, what are you talking about? He goes, uh, I see something down there. I don't like what I see. All they had, it was God's hand. And it staved off. And that guy hesitated. He didn't go. And that gave him time to bring in some more troops. And they were able to hold him off. It was a miracle. It's a six-day miracle Amen. of God's will. And you know what happened? Israel started whipping them so bad. They whipped them over to the Sinai Peninsula, bringing them back towards Egypt. They started whipping getting land. They started gaining land. They got the, they got the city of Jerusalem away from the Muslims. They were whipping them. Amen. And guess what happened when everything turned for the Jews' way? Peace, peace. Then America came in. Then the United Nations came in. Oh, no, no, y'all stop fighting. Y'all give it up. And the Jew was going to keep on fighting. And they should have. They should have. That's exactly what's going on here. They had been destroying God's prophets. They had been killing God's people. And when God says, I'm tired of that, you send them out there, kill them. Oh, peace, peace. And Jehu has a perfect answer. What peace? So long as the whoredoms of thy mother Jezebel and her witchcrafts are so many. And Jerome turned his hands and fled and said to Haziah, There is treachery, O Haziah. Jehu drew a bow with his full strength and smote Jeroboam between his arms, and the arrow went out his heart. And he sunk down in his chariot. Then said Jehu to Bedkar, his captain, Take up and cast him in the portion of the field of Naboth, the Jezreelite. For remember how that when I and thou rode together after Ahab his father, the Lord laid this burden upon him. Amen. Jehu says, I want you to go out there and throw him out there because remember what God said. Remember God's words. Don't forget them. Verse 26, Surely I have seen yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his son, saith the Lord, and I will requite thee in this plat, saith the Lord. Now therefore take and cast him into the plat of ground according to the word of the Lord. There's one thing I can assure you, what I, what I might say is not gonna, probably not going to come to pass. I might run my mouth, uh, the world likes to run their mouth, but whatever God writes in here is going to come to pass. Amen. It's never not came to pass. Amen. That's what makes this book so amazing. Then in verse 27, but when Hezekiah the king of Judah saw this, he fled by the way of the garden house. And Jehu followed after him and said, smite him also in the chariot. And they did so at the going up to Gur, which is by Eblim. And he fled to Megiddo, the battle of Armageddon, Megiddo. And he died there. Two of them, two kings, boom, dead. Here we go. That, guys, it's just beginning. Amen. <laughs> They're just beginning to pay the fiddler. Here comes, the, here comes Jezebel. Look at verse 30. Woo, Jezebel. And when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. And she painted her face and tired her head and looked out at a window. 
So she gets her, she, here comes Jehu, so she paints her, she gets all her makeup on, you know, the, the barn needs the paint, so the barn gets the paint, you know, and she gets all, the, and she gets her hair, and it says it tired, it's like a tire, he, she just puts it up in a, and she kind of tears it up like this, and then she goes out the window, and that's what I know a lot about people. People think that their good looks and their social standing are going to save them. Some people think that their good looks and their social standing is going to save them. Not going to. And she looked out the window and looked at verse 31. And, Je and as Jehu entered in at the gate, she said, Had Zimri peace who slew his master? She's quoting Bible. She's reminding him what's happened in the land of Israel. Guys, that's what your enemies are going to do. Your enemies love to quote the word of God at you. They love it. Satan quoted the word of God at Jesus Christ. Tried to use it against Jesus Christ. The world loves to use it against you. As soon as things don't go their way, or as soon as you say, I don't think that's right, they're going to turn to you and say, judge not lest ye be judged. Judge not, judge not, judge not. I tell you what, if I hear that another time, God forbid, I, I think I might start doing some slapping or something. I cannot take that anymore. The ignorance of people. They act like complete animals, monsters, heathens, wicked, beyond any degree. And then when you say, I don't know if that's right, judge not. Well, you know what? I'm not judging you. I'm warning you. God's going to judge that. Amen. And I'm seeing it happen in America. God's going to judge this nation. And she's quoting this. She's like, did Zimri have peace? What she's saying is, hey, if you remember what happened to him? He, things didn't go well for him when he turned on his master. That's what she's saying. She's quoting scripture at him. Uh, let's see what happens to her. Oh, Jezebel. Verse 32. And he lifted up his face to the wind and said, Who's on my side who? <laughs> I love this guy. This is my hero. This is my Clint Eastwood, Jehu. He looks up at the window and there's old Jezebel. You remember what happened to Zimri? She's all running her mouth. And he's like, hey, who up there's on my side? Who's on there? Who's up there? And there looked out to, to him two or three eunuchs. So here comes these eunuchs and they look out the window. You know, that's her servants. And they look out the window and he said, look at verse 33. Throw her down. So they threw her down. Oh, there's some good faithful servants. They look out there, and there's Jezebel, and she looks at them, and they look at her. He says, throw her down. They're like, all right, just, throw, just chunk her out. Killed by her own servants. Killed by her own social standing. Her looks didn't do her any good. They're not going to do you any good. Amen. Your social standing is, I don't care if you're the President of the United States. If you're not right with Jesus Christ, it's not going to do you a lick of good. You're not going to have the you're not going to have the United, United States Senate. You're not going to have the House of Congress standing behind you. You're not going to have a vice president. You're going to stand by yourself as a president of the United States. Have to answer for your sins. And this goes for the senators. This goes for the congressmen. This goes for mayors. This goes for everybody. This goes for husbands and wives and sons and daughters. We're all going to individually have to answer for our sins. And this woman here, she's thrown down, so they threw her down, Jezebel. And some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses, and he trolled her underfoot. PG-13. And when he was come in, he did eat and drink and said, Hey, go, see now this cursed woman and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. So he goes in, and he, he's done his deed. He goes in and gets something to eat. It's just time to eat, guys. Let's go and get. And he goes, you know what? Now I got to think about this old cursed woman. She was a king's daughter. Y'all go out there and find her and bury her. Verse 35, and they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Wow. Whoa. There's a payday someday. Wherefore they came again and told him, and he said, Huh, this is the word of the Lord. 
which he spake by his servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, And the portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel. And the carcass of Jezebel shall be as dung upon the face of the field and the portion of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, This is Jezebel. So your social standing, you think there's going to be, they're going to make a monument of me. They're going to make a statue of me. They're going, to make the, they're going to come to my tomb and people are going to weep and people are going to cry on my tomb. And God says, when I get done with you, there's not, they're not even going to know where you're buried. Amen. There's going to be a piece here and there's going to be a piece there and there's going to be a dog with a bone over there and there's going to be a dog with a bone over there. And they're going to say, where's Jezebel? The dogs got Jezebel. Amen. Why? Because God said they would. There's a payday someday. Look at, look at chapter 10, verse 1. And Ahab had 70 sons, uh-oh, in Samaria. And Jehu wrote letters and sent to Samaria unto the rulers of Jezreel, to the elders, and them that, to them that brought up Ahab's children, saying, Now as soon as this letter cometh to you, seeing your master's sons are with you, and there are with you chariots and horses, a fenced city also in armor, look even out the best and meetest of your master's sons, and set him on his father's throne, and fight for your master's house. This story's not done, brothers and sisters. You think he's done? He's like, yeah, no, he, he, was taking, he took a little lunch break there at Jezebel's house. <laughs> he got him something to eat, took a little lunch break. He said, okay, guys, we've got some stuff to do. Sends a letter out there and says, hey, you know, there's all these sons of Ahab's. Find one that could really be a king for you. Put him on the throne because I'm coming up there and I'm coming to fight you. Verse 4, but they were exceedingly afraid and said, behold, two kings stood not before him. How then shall we stand? That's a good question. And he, was the, and he that was over the house and he that was over the city, the elders also and the bringers up of the children sent to Jehu, saying, We are thy servants, and we'll do all that thou shalt bid us. We will not make any king do, that, any king, do thou that which is good in thine eyes. Then Jehu, he wrote a letter the second time to them, saying, If ye be mine, if ye will hearken unto my voice, take ye the heads of the men, your master's sons, and come to me to Jezreel by tomorrow this time. Now the king's sons, being seventy persons, were with the great men of the city, which brought them up. Verse 7, And it came to pass, when the letter came to them, that they took the king's sons and slew seventy persons, and put their heads in baskets, and sent him, them to Jezreel. They just cut off seventy of those people, those kids' uh, heads. Cut them off. This is something I know about people. Some people think that being in a group is what's going to save them. Group of 70, a group of 60, a group of a family. Guys, that's what I just said. It don't have anything to do with being in a group. It has to, be, it has to do with being with Jesus Christ, individual, your individual situation with Jesus Christ. You know, the only way I can illustrate this, and maybe it's not a very good illustration, is we go out to eat, and uh, you go out to eat, and you sit at a dinner table, and the, the waiter always bring one ticket, usually always brings one ticket. And they'll, they'll say, do y'all want to split this ticket? y'all want one ticket? y'all want two tickets? Well, if you're sitting there, you'll know to split the ticket. Or you might have somebody who's very gracious at the table say, no, I'll, I'll pick up the ticket. But they don't bring everybody's ticket in there. And to that one table and say, hey, this guy over here, he's paying all the tickets. <laughs> This table, we got this table, they bring in all the tickets. That's the only time being in a group helps. When you're sitting at that table, that guy's paying the meal, amen? amen? And I'm telling you, that's usually a family, right? That's what it's like to be at the family of God. Amen. You're at the family of God, the Father's at the head of the table, and He's going to pay for everything. Amen. He's going to pay for all your sins. He's going to take care of you. He's going to clothe you. He's going to feed you. He's going to take care of you emotionally. He is responsible for you. He is the Father, and He's paying for that table. You want to be at that table. Because you're at the other table, he's not paying for those other tables. 
said, well, that's not fair. Well, see, I got a gracious and heavenly father who says, hey, you're sitting at that table. Come over here and eat with us. Amen. Come unto me. All you that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Come on, come on over to this table. I'll pay for your meal, but you got to come to this table. I'm not paying for you over at that table. I'm not paying for you while you're living in the world and sin. I want you to come over to my son Jesus Christ, sit with my son Jesus Christ at this table, be part of this family, and I'll pay for all the problems you have. I'll pay for all your sins. I'll pay for all your debt. But the world, they want to be individuals. I mean, they want to be in a group. So they want to be off over here, and they don't want to be over there with the group they need to be, which is Jesus Christ. You know, I think that uh, I think that'd be the best thing restaurants could do when you have young kids. When you go out to eat, they should they should go out when you go out to eat, and all your kids are at the table with you. They should bring every one of your kids a ticket. All right, your meal's eight dollars, and just have them look up at that grown man and says, "Hey, you owe eight dollars." Go to the other kid, you owe eight dollars. And just have them look at you like that. Look at them like that. And make the kid go, Mama, Daddy. And say, yeah, I'll pay for it. Make them appreciate it. Amen? Amen. Know what you're paying for, right? Amen. That's why we're here this morning. Because we're smart enough to know, hey, I had a debt. And I owed this debt a sin. And I was going to have to pay for it. But Jesus Christ paid my debt. And I had this and I said, what am I going to do with this? And Jesus Christ says, here, let me take it. In my Bible, I carry in my Bible this right here, and I have it wadded up like this, and I wad it up and I wad it. What is this? This is a list of lies, pride. It's all the sins that are in my in my life: backbiting, fornication, strife, hate, envy, lust, idolatry, drunkenness, murder, all this stuff. And this is what this is: it's sin. And this is like your life. And this is a sin. And this is the debt you owe. You say, "Well, how am I going to pay that?" Well, what Christ does. He takes that. And you say, well, I still see it. Yeah, I still see it too. And he takes it and he puts it in himself. He takes all that sin, he covers it, and now you don't, you don't see that sin anymore. All you see is the yeah. Word of God. You see Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what he does for you. That's what he's going to do for you. And if, you're, if you think you're going to sneak in, you say, because my dad was a preacher or my grandmother was a Sunday school teacher or my mom and dad are saved or I, I, I've been around a bunch of Christians or I go to church. It don't have anything to do with going to church. It has everything to do with what is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you took him as your Lord and Savior? Because there's a payday someday. And these 70, they thought, we're 70 of us. Listen, we're in a group. It didn't do them a bit of good. Verse 8, And there came a messenger and told him, saying, They have brought the heads of the king's sons. And he said, Lay, lay them in two heaps at the entering end of the gate until the morning. And it came to pass in the morning that he went out and stood and said to all the people, Ye be righteous. Behold, I conspired against my master and slew him. But who slew all these? <laughs> so said, Yeah, y'all are pretty good people. He said, I, I turned against my master, but who slew all these kids? Look at all these heads right here. Who slew all those? You can just see, I bet they're just standing there just like, oh, no. Verse 10, know, that, know now that there shall fall up unto the earth nothing of the word of the Lord, which the Lord spake concerning the house of Ahab. For the Lord hath done that which he spake by his servant Elijah. So Jehu slew all that remained of the house of Ahab and Jezreel and all his great men and his kinsfolks and his priests until he left him none remaining. Wow. You see what he says in verse 10? Know now that there shall fall unto the earth nothing of the word of the Lord. Amen. What he says is going to happen is going to happen. And guess what, guys? You're part of the house of Ahab. You're getting it in the neck, too. Amen. It's vicious. Vicious. 
This is the kind of stuff that people read and they say, oh, oh, the Old Testament, the Old, God of the Old Testament is so mean. No, that's the judgment. That's what you're reading is judgment. But I read in the New Testament and I read about Jesus Christ and love. Yeah, you do. But see, what happens is you forgot to keep reading. <laughs> Just like the first Kings, if you would have stopped at second Kings uh, chapter one, you would have thought, well, Jezebel never got hers. Oh, yes, yeah, she does. You got to keep reading. Because I remember when I first was reading the Bible, and it said, God says, Jezebel's going to get eaten by dogs. Amen. I want to see this. Chapter came, nothing happened. Two chapters, I'm going through my daily Bible reading. It took about three or four days of my daily Bible reading, and then all of a sudden, chapter 9 came along, and whoop, there she is. Well, there she goes. Amen. The point is, is you got to keep reading. So you're in the New Testament, and you're reading about God's love, and it is God's love. You're reading about Jesus Christ, and yes, he's there. Why did God send Jesus Christ to get you out of that judgment? What judgment? Revelation chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. See, people, for, that's why I have so many people say, I won't read the book of Revelation. I'm like, why? It scares me. Hmm. That's God's judgment. That's why it scares you. You want to read about God's love. That's why so many preachers, they just roost over there in Matthew. And Mark and Luke. And I could too. It's easy. It would be easy. John. But that's not the whole counsel of God. Because you've got to understand why Jesus Christ came. You've got to understand why the gospel of John is so important to you. Because if you don't have the gospel of John, God's judgment's on you and you're doomed and damned to a devil's hell. Amen. And J Jesus says that in John. He that believeth on me is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. You're a walking dead man. And that's what's going on here. They're getting it. They're getting it. Verse 12. Verse 12 of 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 12. And he arose and departed and came to Samaria. And as he was at the shearing house on the way, Jehu met the, with the brethren of Isaiah, king of Judah, and said, Who are ye? And they answered, We are the brethren of Isaiah. And we are going down to salute the children of the king and the children of the queen. So they meet these people. And they're the brethren of Hosea. They're, they're kinfolks of Hosea, and they're going down to meet Ahab's uh, kinfolks and his children, and they're going, to be, you know, they're going to go down and have a good time, salute them, hang out with them. Verse 14, and this is what Jehu does. And he said, take them alive, and they took them alive and slew them at the pit of the shearing house, even two and forty men. Neither left he any of them. Wow. When, I know, when the time comes for payday, there's some people think they're going to, their good deeds will save them. There's people who really think that. There's people who think that their good deeds right there. We're going down to salute the children of the king and children of the queen. We're just going down there to, to be kind to the children, to do some good deeds, to feed them, you know, take them down some clothes, to have a good time with them. We're just doing good deeds. God's already pronounced judgment. Amen. All your good deeds are not going to do you a bit of good. None of it. It's not about what you've done and what you've done in good deeds, how much you went to church or how much you've fed the poor or how much money you've given to certain, certain charities. It's, in God's eyes, it boils down to one thing. What have you done with my son, Jesus Christ? Amen. He's called you over to the table. Did you come? Or did you say, I don't want to eat with them people. I don't want to be with that guy. I want to go sit at the table of Muhammad. I want to go sit at the table of Buddha. I want to go sit at the table of humanism. I want to go sit at the table of philosophy. I, want to go, I don't want to sit at that table. Your choice. But Jesus Christ still says, come on. 
I'll pay your debt. I'll pay it all. I'll pay it all. But some people think that their good deeds will save them. Your good deeds are not going to save them. You need to be a part of the family of God. Skip down to verse 18. We're getting close to closing. Verse 18. Now we're going to get down to it. Verse 18. Chapter 10. And Jehu gathered all the people together and said unto them, Ahab served Baal a little, but Jehu, Jehu shall serve him much. Now therefore call unto me all the prophets of Baal, all his servants and all his priests. Let none be wanting. For I have a great sacrifice to do to Baal. Whosoever shall be wanting, he shall not live. But Jehu did it in subtlety to the intent that he might destroy the worshipers of Baal. Oh man, this guy's good. I like old Jehu. He says, man, you thought, you thought Jezebel served uh, Baal? That's a false god. That's basically the devil. He goes, man, I'm going to serve her better. I'm going to serve Baal better. I'm going to do a lot better job than Jezebel. Gather everybody up that loves Baal. Y'all come to me. Come on. Y'all come on. We're going to have a good old time. And the Bible says he was lying. He was doing it subtly. He said, that's not very, I don't, see, that's what I'm talking about, Pastor. See, like right there, and if you think about the New Testament, yeah, it's right there in the New Testament too. God said in 2 Thessalonians 2.11, it says, And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Amen. God's going to make them believe a lie? Amen. Why would he do that? Next verse tells you, that they all might be damned. Amen. What? God says, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Amen. God sent in a strong lie, a delusion, that they, he might damn them. That's 2 Thessalonians, in the end times. It's coming. That's exactly what Jehu's doing. He's, he's subtle about it. All of, all of the intent that he might destroy the worshipers of Baal. Verse 20, and Jehu said, proclaim a solemn assembly for Baal, and they proclaimed it. And Jehu sent through all Israel, and all the worshipers of Baal came, so that there was not a man left that came not. And they came into the house of Baal, and the house of Baal was full from one end to another. And he said unto them that was over the vestry, that would be like garments, bring forth vestments, garments, for all the worshipers of Baal, and he brought them forth vestments. He's going to make sure they all look good. They're all dressed up, and they're all looking nice. They're all in their little clothes, worship clothes. Verse 23, And Jehu went, and Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, into the house of Baal, and said unto the worshipers of Baal, Search, and look that there be here with you none of the servants of the Lord, but the worshipers of Baal only. Ha, ha, ha. So Jehu says, You know what? I'm about to do something really, really wicked to these people, really mean, and I want to make sure that none of God's people are a part of this. Guys, if you're a born-again believer out there, if you're a Christian, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't have to worry about the wrath of God. Amen. That's not a worry for you. Paul says we are not appointed to the wrath of God. We're not appointed to that day of wrath. That's not for you. That's for the lost. Now, you're going to have to stand before God as a father, stand before Jesus Christ and answer for some sins you did, some things you're doing or not doing for the Lord, but that's a totally different, this is the wrath of God. Totally different thing here. And he wants to make sure that they're not involved in that. So they go in and make sure there's nobody, none of, the, none of God's people there, servants of the Lord, verse 24. And when they went in to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings, Jehu appointed fourscore men without. Score would be 24, so that would be 80 men without. And said, if any of the men whom I have brought into your hands escape, he that letteth him go, his life shall be for the life of him. Wow. Verse 25, and it came to pass as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering that Jehu said to the guard and to the captains, go in and slay them. Let none come forth, and they smote them with the edge of the sword, and the guard and the captains cast them out and went to the city of the house of Baal. 
And they brought forth the images out of the house of Baal and burned them. And they break down the images of Baal and break down the house of Baal and made it a drought house. And to this day, a drought, a drought house would be a sewer house. Just Jehu destroyed Baal out of Israel. Man, he just took care of all of that. But here's what I want to point out about this. When it comes time to pay up, when payday comes, there's some people that think their religion is what's going to save them. That their religion is what's going to save them. And I'm here to tell you this morning, religion's not going to save you. Religious people go to hell. There's lots of religious people. Lots of religious people. There's some people in churches, Christian churches, in Baptist churches, in Methodist churches, in any kind of church of God, maybe even in this church this morning, that are very religious. I don't care about religious. I don't care about the religious things you do. What I care about is, what is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Religion's not going to save you. It can't save you. Being religious can't save you. Doing religious things can't save you. The only way you can be saved is through the man, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's it. Look at verse 29. Howbeit from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, Jehu departed not from after them, to wit, the golden calves that were in Bethel and that were in Dan. Now verse 30 tells you that Jehu wasn't a perfect man. Jehu still didn't do all that God wanted him to do. He didn't take care of those golden calves that they were worshiping over there in Dan, the tribe of Dan. But look at verse 30. I'm going to point this out to you. And the Lord said unto Jehu, Because thou hast done well in executing that which was right in mine eyes, and hast done unto the house of Ahab according to all that was in my heart, thy children of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. Wow. Why am I reading that verse to you? I'm reading verse 30 because I want you to understand the Lord said... Everything that Jehu did, he did it well. See that? Because thou hast done well, he did it right in God's eyes. And God said there at the end of that verse, and according to all that was in my heart. So you go back a couple of chapters back, God says everything he did was right. Everything he did was well in my eyes, and that was in my heart to do it. That's the Lord God that we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the Lord God that says, be sure... Your sin will find you out. This is the Lord God that wrote in his Bible, says, God is not mocked, be not deceived, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's some bad news. (laughs) There's a payday someday, Pastor, and I'm going to have to pay it. Yeah, and I did too. I was worried about it too. And it's kind of quiet in here. It should be. You should be worried about it. Because there's a payday someday. We're all going to have to pay the fiddler. But I'm here to tell you the last one. And we'll go back up to verse 15. Go back up to verse 15. The last thing I want to point out, some good news. Because when it comes time to pay up, there's going to be some people that don't have to pay. Amen. Amen. Now, who are those people? And how do you get out of paying? <laughs> right? That's a question. If there's some people that don't have to pay, who are those people? And how do you get out of it? Well, it tells you in verse 15. Go back up to verse 15. I skipped these verses intentionally because we'd go back and close here. Verse 15. And when he, this is Jehu. When he departed, Jehu was departed thence, he lighted on Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, coming to meet him. And he saluted him and said to him, Is thine heart right as my heart is with thy heart? And Jehonabad said, It is. If it be, give me thine hand. And he gave him his hand. And he took him up to him into the chariot. And he said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. Amen. 
So Jehu is going along, and he's, he's doing all this killing, he's doing all these things God wants him to do, and he comes across this guy, and he says, hey, is your heart right? And the guy said, yeah, my heart's with you. And he says, uh, if it is, give me your hand. And he gives him his hand, and he says, come in with me, follow me. How do I get out of paying, Pastor? How do I get, how, how do I get out of this payday that's coming? That I, I, I've done all these sins, I've done all this stuff, God's wrath, how do I get out of it? It tells you right there, belief in the heart. See that in the middle of verse 15? And he said to him, is thine heart right? I'm going to ask you this morning, is your heart right with God? Have you put your heart on Jesus Christ? Have you believed in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins and was buried and on the third day rose again? Romans chapter 10. Have you believed? And then it goes on in the middle of verse 15. Is thine heart right as my heart is with thy heart? And Jehonabab said, answered, it is. There's a confession. Have you confessed Jesus Christ? Have you told somebody that you know, hey, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior? It is. It's right. Have you confessed him? If it be, give me thine hand. That's what I do every Sunday. I'm up here and I have my hand up. I'm giving an invitation. What is that? That's to give you a chance to say, you know what? I don't know Jesus Christ, but I want to get saved. And you just come down. And when you're putting your hand in my hand, that's you accepting Jesus Christ. That's just a physical way for people to see that that's what you want to do. And that's a physical way for you to know. Let me tell you the truth, though. Before you even walk down this aisle, you're saved. You put your faith in Jesus Christ, that's what saves you. And you can be anywhere, anywhere you're at this morning. You can be at the bedside. You can be driving down a car. If you'll just pull over and bow your head and say, Jesus Christ, I know you died for my sins. I know you were buried on the third day. I know you're listening to me right now. I don't want to pay for my sins. Lord, will you pay my debt? Will you save me? If you'll, you'll believe in your heart and you'll confess it with you and you'll accept him. And he gave him his hand. I accept you, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. There's a confession, there's a belief, there's an acceptance. And then what happens then? Verse 16, and he said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. It's a following. If you'll believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, confess him, accept him as your Lord and Savior, then simply start following him. How do I get out of that payday, Pastor? That's how you get out of the payday. Belief in Jesus Christ. Is it that simple? It's as simple as I said. Hey, you're at that table. Come on over to this table. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're Spanish. I don't care what color you are, what race, what nationality. Just come on over to this table of the family of God. You know what I'll tell you about my father that sits at the head of that table? He'll pay for all of your debts. Amen. So you understand whenever you start, God allows you to start calling you father, you understand what he's allowing you to do? He's allowing you to call him father. That means he's responsible for you. If I had some child come up and start calling, so, Daddy, 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 don't call me Daddy. I'm not paying for your bills. I'm not paying for your clothes. Don't call me Daddy. But if a, if a man say, says, yes, you can call me Dad, or you can call me Father, what's that man saying? I'm responsible for you. Your food, your clothes, your well-being, your protection, your building, your house, your mansion, it's all right there. It's all because you came over, sit at the table. And we're all, all, all the rest of the family are saying, come on. Man, come on over here. It's the best thing going. And the world said, don't go over there. 
They're a bunch of do-gooders. They're a bunch of righteous, holier than thou. They're holy rollers. And we're over here, man, we're sinners just like you. We just got our debt paid. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for paying my debt. Lord, I know there's some good people in this church, Father, that, that have lived a pretty good life, Lord, but I have to admit I haven't. I haven't been very good, Father. I've done some wicked stuff, and Lord, by the grace of Jesus Christ and his blood, Lord God, you forgive me of it. And Lord, I know I had a lot of payment coming. And I know I was going to have to pay that fiddler, and there was no way I was going to be able to pay that fiddler, Lord God. And you showed up, and you paid it for me. And Lord, I know I don't deserve it, but that's why I love you so much. I love you, Lord, because you loved me first. And Lord, as I sat at that table, didn't have much food on my plate, Lord God. You invited me over to your table to have a feast. And I don't understand why you invited me. I'm not worthy, but you invited me. And Lord, I pray, Father, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that hadn't sat at this table, Lord God, that I'm sitting at, Lord, I pray, Father, that you through your Holy Spirit, Lord God, you would let them know that they have an invitation. That we love them and that we want them to come sit with us. We don't want to see them on that great judgment day. We don't want to see them being judged by you, Lord God. We don't want to see your wrath poured out on them, Lord. We want them to get to know you like we know you, Father, as a father, as a loving, caring father. And, Lord, I know that can only happen through the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord. So I pray, Father, that they want that, Lord, and they need that, Lord, that they'll approach you, knowing Jesus Christ died for their sins, Lord God, and is buried and came forth on the third day. They, they believe in the resurrection, Lord, and I pray, Father, that they would call out the best way they know how just for Jesus Christ to save them. And, Lord, I thank you, Father, for the salvation we have in him. Lord, I pray, Father, for these people here this morning, Lord God, that love you. And, Father, I thank you, Lord, that there's a lot of them in here I know personally that are not going to have to pay that fiddler. You're not going to make them pay, Lord. You've already paid their debt, Lord. I thank you for that because I can't think of a better, better bunch of people, Lord God, to spend eternity with up in heaven. Thank you for Jesus Christ, Lord, and thank you for loving us. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ 
It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.